The district church exists to make disciples by interrupting people's lives with love because the gospel changes everything. To learn more about the district church and for ways to give to support resources like this, visit thedistrictchurch.com. Well, good morning again. I'm glad you're here. My name is Joshua, and I am one of the pastors here at the district church. And it's my joy and privilege to be able to lead us through today's content as we are looking at God's good design of man. We've been in this sermon series titled Ecclesia, where we're looking at God's um, design and uh, how he is building his church. And we've been looking at it through Ephesians, and as, as Paul writes to these churches in Ephesus. And today we look at specifically what is man and what is man's role How does God see us as men being a part of the building of his kingdom? Now, women, please please do not hear this and think that it's man day or or something and you're just out of it. Um, This matters to all of us. Women also need to have a clear image of who man is, one who is proper and walking in his design. If you're single or maybe you're dating, you need to know what to look for. Women who are married, you need to be able to see when your husband has fallen into something that might not be God's design, and you need to know how and and, and when to call him back up to God's good plan. Or mothers who are raising sons, you play a role, a vital role, in growing that little boy um, from a boy into a man of God. And so this is for all of us. I would ask all of us to lean in close in this. What I will say, men... As we go through this content and as we work through today, please do not look at this as um, do what what I do. Uh, Let's all be like Josh. That's not the goal of this. Um, I I have broken some things. I've really messed some things up. I'm sure that's the same for most of us in here, guys. We've messed some things up. There's things that have been broken by us. There's relationships that are severed. Children that maybe despise you. People that you cannot talk to anymore. Because of the nature of our sin and how it exists in our world and how it affects us. And I'm there with you. I'm there. And so my goal is not to say, look and do what I do. But for us to together put our arms around one another and take a step closer to Christ and our likeness to him. And so I hope that's what we get to do today. Um, Since the beginning of brokenness within our world, when sin entered in, those enemies of God that Paul talks about, where he, he talks about rulers and dominions and principalities, those that exist, that are at war with God, working in this present age. They've been working in a very specific way to redefine God's creation. We can understand it in this way. If someone possesses a weapon, but they lack the knowledge of how to use it, it's not a weapon. It's not a weapon. If someone has a weapon and they do not know how to use it, it doesn't matter how well it was designed, it's not a weapon. Same thing with a tool. If someone has a tool, but they have no clue upon how to use that tool. Our phones, we would call it a phone. That would be the title of what it is. If we do not know how to use it as a phone, it's not a phone. And so we can see that, that without understanding who we are, what we were created to do, we're not only useless to ourselves, 
or to others, but ultimately our Creator and to God. And not only useless in, in knowing who we are, but also enjoying the things that God has established and given to us. True joy in Christ and the things that He blesses us with. And those that are working against God and His design, they see that. And so there's this great effort to distort and confuse us. When we think about manhood, our idea of manhood might be shaped by these three words. These three words. Be a man. Be a man. Every single one of us in hearing this has an image that comes to our mind instantly. And its details are extremely diverse between us. Um, It might even stir up in us an emotion. Maybe good, maybe bad. But something has painted that picture. Um, Or maybe for some of us, maybe for some of us, that voice that should have led you in being a man was absent. Uh, and, And you didn't really know what it means. So you've worked to sort of fill that gap in yourself. And... When we think about it, I would probably put a cap, let's say uh, 70s, 80s, maybe the end of it being the 90s. If you, were, if you grew up in a world, 90s and, and before, really heavy, probably uh, 50s, 60s, 70s. If you grew up in that time, your definition of being a man um, was probably defined by being tough. It was to endure. It was to suck it up and do the work. You are to be a man, and that's what being a man looks like. You're not a sissy. You're not like your sister. You're not a little girl. You're a man, and so suck it up, be tough, and get to work. And now, those things might not be bad if that's what we are able to do. Sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes we need to be tough, and we need to do the hard things. When, it, when it's, it's bad... When it's not what we do, but it, it, it's, it's all-encompassing of who we are. When that is the extent of who we are. Humans who, uh, who just focus on these things, that's all that matters. They define us. And the other things that are out there, um, they don't exist within our definition of masculinity. It's limited to these, to, these, to these things. That's when it would be wrong. And then we look at our world today, and on the other side of that, the, the, the pendulum has absolutely swinged across, swung across to the other side. And today, being a man and that toughness that has been carried is, is now toxic. And the character that has been produced by man is actually the root of all of our problems in society. The man produced slavery. The man is the abuser. The man is the dictator. Masculinity itself is the problem. And that's not proper either. That's wrong. That is very wrong. And what happens with that, we see it in our world today, is gender is flattened and it's made fluid. These are realities. These are absolute realities. And so as we try to work through it, we remind, let's remind ourselves of this as we're entering into this. We do not attach our masculinity to how we feel, what the world or anyone else has to say about it. How exhausting is that? How exhausting is it? And how can we ever rest or flourish within our true design when it's constantly changing and when so many are getting to define what it is? How is there any rest 
do we flourish in that? Women as well, women, you cannot allow the world or culture, the images you might see in a movie or hear in songs or social media to shape your image of what man is. It has to be, it has to be for us all, the word of God, the life of Jesus and men living out his example. It has to, it has to. That's for all of us. Now, I absolutely believe this. I believe that we see glimpses of manhood within our world. I don't think we're exempt from that. I think we still see glimpses of manhood in our world. You show, you show, me, you show me a 2003 um, Ford F-150 commercial with Toby Keith, and I'll show you a man. Like, that just does something to me. Seeing a guy ripping a truck through the mud, like, it just makes me want to do, like, truck things with my friends. Like, it, it stirs something up in my manhood. You see, um, men who watch UFC fights at one and two in the morning, guys just beating the blood out of one another. Like, I, can't, I cannot do that. It just does something inside of me. It won't take long, and I'll be running down the road, doggone looking to fight somebody for the Lord. Like, it just does man things to me. Or think about an act of heroism that might be portrayed in, in the media where a man... Um, put his self and in, in, in his comforts and even his safety aside in an attempt to help somebody else. We see that. But as we see it, um, I also believe this, that they are just glimpses. And without God's help and direction, we will never see the fullness of man. Without God's help and his direction, we will never see the fullness of man. It'll always be that. It'll always be glimpses. So what we have to do is get away, again, from the world's definition of man. Get away from your father, your grandfather, your uncles, whoever's definition of man. And we go to God and we look at him and we say, who am I? God, as a man, who am I? And so let's enter into the text. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's go there together. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we'll pick up in 13 and 14, just two verses of this. What is happening here is this is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. Um, uh, this, this church and these people have been in a mess, and we see that. And this would be considered the completion of uh, Paul's letter. He's wrapping it up, and he's specifically speaking to the men here, or writing to the men, and he says this in, in 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. I love this. I love this. Paul says, Paul says, be a man. Be a man. And, and, and in just so few words, he shows us how to do it and the significance of it. And the first thing he says is, be watchful and stand firm. Be watchful and stand firm. When you hear this, be watchful and stand firm, these are both actions. These are things that take effort. And he goes on to say, stand firm in the faith. And what Paul is saying is that we should be actively feeding our faith. Not just men, not just men, all of us. But absolutely, men, you should be feeding your faith. Feed your faith. How do we do that? Well, we surrender to God. 
We surrender to his word, his guidance, his direction for our lives, living in and out of it. Living in and out of the scripture. That means not just reading, but experiencing it. When you leave here, after we sit and study the word together and we're stirred up, and we hear about what it means to walk in God's design of man, and you hear about what it means uh, in a moment to be a husband, what that looks like, you leave here and you practice that. You practiced it. That's what it, that's what it turns into. Not just hoping that by reading it, it does something magical, but you then walk that out. That's how we feed our faith. In prayer, we are feeding our faith. Paul's going to show us we're to be filled by the Spirit Led by God's Spirit. We're to do life with others. That's a massive way that we practice or, or, or that we feed our faith is through doing life with others, suffering with one another, enduring with one another, celebrating with one another. Those things, that's, that, that is nutrient and feeding to our faith. And I think when we do this, I love that it's almost sequential how Paul writes this. He says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, and act like men. It's almost sequential in saying, if we can do this, if we are watchful, if we are feeding our faith, almost then will we have the ability to be a man for more than a moment. When we practice this, when we know Christ, when our faith is being fed, we have the ability to be a man for more than a moment. More than what the world will show us, a glimpse of man. And he says, act like men. Act like men. Be a man. And in saying this, we can believe that Paul has seen men not acting like men. For him to have to tell us, act like men. Be a man. That is, that's a reflection to us or showing us an indicator that Paul has seen men not acting like men. Paul has seen men lacking maturity. Earlier in this letter, if we were to read it in the way Paul intended it, uh, for it to be um, read as it was written, we would see in what is considered the chapter 3 section where there is a lack of maturity. Paul, Paul calls it um, infants in Christ. They were infants in Christ. And so we can believe what Paul has seen is not men, but boys. Paul has seen men lacking maturity and behaving as boys. Infants in Christ, he says. No, I have a little boy. Uh, he'll be five years old um, Friday. And man, I love that dude. He does something like in here just at the center of my person that is wild and electric. I can't put words to it. Like, I, I just love that guy. I love him so much, and he is so special to me. And as much as I love him, I would never, I would never give him authority and control. I wouldn't do it. That'd be so foolish of me to give that little boy authority and control what would happen if Callum had authority and control is we would eat Fruit Loops every day, 24-7. That would be our food. Um, we would never wear shoes. We'd never have shoes. We'd never take baths. We'd probably be broke because the most, ex the, the most important thing for us to spend our money on is the almost life-size Megalodon RC truck at Target. That's like $400. 
Like that's the most important thing that we need in our lives. And if we can afford it, we need five of them, right? Like that's, that's his mind. That's where he's at. And, and, and I would never give him authority. He's a boy. He's a boy. He's not a man. And now we can make that comparison, but there are still boyish things that exist inside of men today. We could look at a boy and say he's a boy. We could also look at a man and see that he has um, matured physically. He's grown and he is of age, but yet emotionally and spiritually, he's an adolescent. He's still a boy. He still acts and responds. His desires and intentions are boyish. They lack maturity. To many men today, I can say that I, I lived far longer than God intended me to as a boy, as a little boy. I did. I entered into my marriage as a 25-year-old little boy, and I hurt Holly, and I broke things, and God has done a lot of work to cut that off and to show me what a man is supposed to be. And so as we become men, we think about that, what the, the contrast between a man and a boy. When we become men, when a man steps in, things change within us. Our instincts begin to change. Our priorities change. There are things that we are serious about. We gain new passion and purpose and perspective there are things that we are protecting, things we'll fight for, things that I, I do not mind. I do not mind going to war and laying my life down for something that I see as significant. I'll do it because I'm a man. Now, what does that mean? What does all that? We can say that and, and, and the men in the room will say, mm, yeah, yeah, that's right, brother. Like we can say that. But what does that mean? Those are all feelings. What do I do with that? What do you do with that? Those are mere feelings. And left to my own understanding, I could take that and I could say, yes, that's what a man does. And then I could take out of my own intellect and say, so I have worked hard and you know what? I'm going to go after something that I want because I'm a man and men do that. We get what we want. We fight for things that are important to us. And we'll take and spend all our money on something that is building up our own self-worship, our own self-interest, our own kingdom and idols. And we'll see that that's significant to me. I've worked hard. I deserve it. I can have that. I'm a man. I get to do that. I have control and power. And that's wrong. That is wrong. That's not a proper expression of man. That's not um, applying those feelings that God put inside of us in a proper way in his design. What we need is we need God and we need his word and direction to show us what to do with all those feelings. He put that in us. He put that in us. And so we need God to put words to it and direction and to take and, and to, to guide those things that we feel to show us where the significance of them really lies. What is really important in these things? To give us direction where we'll see what we are to grow and how we are to, to receive the growth. Where we are to go, what we are to get. He also shows us that it's been placed within man to be a servant. 
He's placed it within man to forgive and seek forgiveness, to be tender, to be soft, to be an encourager, an uplifter. God has put inside of man the ability to be humbled and brought low as others would be held high. Men have the ability to suffer and to endure and to go without. It is unexplainable. It it blows my mind the way God designed the body of man. Men, let me tell you this. It is God's design for him to be with you, to walk with you, for his spirit to be tethered with yours. And you are not weak. You are not weak. You are made in in the image of God who is strong and who is powerful, who speaks and it happens. Things are made. We tremble in the presence of the God who created us. You are not weak. On your own, on your own, we are without. On our own, we are weak. But when we walk with God within his design for us, you are not weak. You are strong. Men, hear that. Understand that. You are strong. it it, It is crazy what you have the ability to do. Oftentimes, we don't even understand We allow our comforts to become barriers to us. We get lazy. It is is amazing what God created your body to do. You are able to endure. You are able to go without. We have the ability to do that. We put others in ourselves, and we can suffer and lack. We can do that. God made us in that way. We put barriers in front of ourselves, but believe that once you cross that barrier, there's probably 15 to 20 more on the other side of that that you have the ability to just blow through. It's amazing how God made us. And we need to walk in that. We need to understand it. We need to allow God to lead us into that in the way that he designed us. And I love talking about this because it's what Paul says next, to be strong, be strong. Now, we have the ability to do that when we, when we walk in this way. Again, loving the sequence of what Paul lays out here. We are to be steadfast, to be watchful, to stand firm, to have a foundation, to be feeding our faith and growing, actively growing in our likeness to Christ. We can be a man and be strong. I want to be strong. I don't, know, I don't know about you. I want to be strong. I want that. I desire that. I can't stand it when Holly has to open the pickle jar for me, right? Right? Some of you guys with little hands, you know what I'm talking about here. Like, it's not fun to lack strength. And I'm not just talking about physical strength, but an an, an entire ability to be strong in all of the ways that God made us. I want that. I want to be strong. I want to be strength and support for my wife. I want to be strength and support for my children. When my children need something, I want them to say, I need to find my dad. I need to find dad. I know he can help me with this. I want that. Our church, our church, when our church family and friends are in need, we want to be strength and support for them, my friends. I want that. I want that. And that is found when we are walking with God. When our strength, that's that strength is first coming from him. Lastly, in this verse, what we see 
in, in, in 1 Corinthians is, is um, the result of all of this should not be white knuckle discipline, holding the line, getting better at what it is that we are able to do, our abilities. That's not what it's about. It's not so that we would obtain more, that we'd have a higher status or be in a different class. None of that. The result of all of this, the max of our masculinity should result in love. Love. That we'd have a greater love for our God and that we'd have a greater love for others. We see that furthermore, um, moving to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians uh, 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's turn there together. Ephesians um, chapter 5 will pick up in verse 18 and move through 33. Now again, how this text was written, it, it was not written in English. There were not uh, paragraph breaks and periods and commas and all of that. Those have been added for our translation and, and, and our better understanding. This was written by Paul in the form of a letter. It was, it was read to the churches in Ephesus by Tychicus in the form of a letter from front to back, top to bottom. And how this has been broken up is believed that um, at the back of verse 18, at the back of verse 18 is actually where um, it took a turn. And what we see after verse 18 um, is actually a response to verse 18. What we see as Paul saying, be filled with the Spirit. He makes a contrast and he ends that with saying, be filled with the Spirit. And so what we see is all in response to being filled with the Spirit. By being filled with the Spirit. Again, by being a new creation. We have the ability to submit to Christ in reverence for Him, submit to one another. Specifically, Paul lays out, this is how you do that. This is how you live as a new creation within marriage, within your family, within working with one another, or at that time, what would be slaves and masters and bond servants. And so we pick up at the back of verse 18, and I'll read it. It says this. To be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, you are to submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, and that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, without wrinkle or any such thing, and that she might be holy and without blemish. Mm, love that. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And this mystery is profound. I'm, I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife should see that she respects her husband. So again, what we see here is an example. 
We have an example. We have an image of how we are supposed to live as new creations within the confines of marriage. And what we also see and what Paul lays out, praise God, he gives us a beautiful example of men, how we are supposed to do that. We look to Jesus and we look to how he has loved and gathered, how he reveals himself to his church, to his body, the ecclesia, to the church. And so men, what we see in this is that your wife, your wife needs to see a man that she can submit to, that she can follow, right? We follow Christ. We follow him and it's our joy to follow him. Your wife, it should be her joy to follow you. And we see that this first comes by being filled with God's spirit. This is a result. This works when we are filled with God's spirit. When a husband is not filled with the spirit of God, this is not going to work. When a wife is not filled with God's spirit, this is not going to work. This is both of us mutually in awe and in reverence and submission and following after Jesus. And as we do that, we work with one another within marriage in this way. And so your wife needs to see a man filled with the spirit of God that she can follow and that it is her joy to follow. And I'll say this because she doesn't have to. She does not have to. Understand that your wife did not have to enter into marriage with you in order to be a worshiper of Christ, in order to be um, a part of the kingdom of God. That's something given to her, bought by the blood of Jesus, not anything you're going to do. And so it's not necessary for her to enter into marriage with you so that that you will then uh, pass down to her salvation through your headship. No, no, that's not how it works. She does not need you for that. It should be a joy. Many, many women are single um, or are not married or um, have never been married and can serve and follow the Lord just fine. And be worshipers, worshipers of Christ just fine. This should be a beautiful thing that gets to come to life through the union of marriage. And so what this means is that we need to first be seeking God, following him. What it also means is that you need to know your wife. That you have a job to do within marriage as you are to lead her. If you don't have a job description within your marriage, if you have a job description, if you, if you work, there's a job description for what you're supposed to do at your job. And you also need one in your marriage because there's work there. And Paul shows us what it looks like. And it's, it's in Christ's like, likeness. We could look at it this way. Let's step back for a second. Step back from this. And let's look at what we've been studying. The ecclesia. We see that Jesus says he's going to build his church. And then we see in Ephesians how he's doing that and this illumination of our eyes being opened to who Jesus is and his plan for us. How he uses us, how we are involved, how we are all children of God, a family of Christ with a seat at the table, a purpose on mission, being used in building his kingdom. We see that. He's opening our eyes to these things and his plan for us. Husbands, step back even further. In the same way, you are to help illuminate the heart and the mind of your wife, opening her eyes to see that she is a daughter of a king. And that she would not only see, but that she would have the space, the environments, that she would be led in a way where she could live that way. And just as in this first illustration of looking at God in the church, just as Christ has brought us near through the work of the cross and the building of his kingdom, your job is to get low, just as Christ did. He came low. 
Your job is to get low and to hold your wife as close as you can to the face of God. You are to get low and to hold your wife as high and as close as you can to the face of God, where you're saying, honey, look at him. Look at him. That is your king. That is your savior. That is your father, and he loves you. Look at him. Treasure him. Cherish him. That's your God. How do we do that? How do we do that? I think if you, if you are filled with the Spirit of God, that strikes something in you, and you should say, yes, that is what I'm after. How do we do that? Well, praise God, as we started this gathering, what, there was 30 or 40 men here that we prayed over, and they saw the significance. Those men saw the significance of bringing their family, bringing their spouses, or being a part of the church. It starts in that way. That's a massive discipline that we can't look past. It has to be celebrated and honored that these men would see the significance of saying, my family, myself, my spouse, we need to be in the church today because there's something there for us. And so that's a big way that we bring our wife closer to the person in the face of Jesus. Leading the way in, in spiritual disciplines and reading your Bible and praying over your family. Seriously, seriously, being a man that is serious about prayer where the floor is just covered, it's bathed with prayers and tears and intentions and desires that you have begging God for your family. Spiritually, we lead. You and your wife should be growing together in the knowledge of God's word and living that out. You should lead in that, and both of you should serve one another in that way. There's also practical things. Don't neglect the work that many men, many of you guys are doing in providing for your family, going to work and putting food on the table and in a home for your family so they are not worried or distracted about that. God's created you to do that, and praise God, men are doing that. It's a massive way. It's a massive way. So there's ways that we do that both physically, but we cannot neglect the spiritual ways that you are to lead your wife. We have to do that. And knowing God and growing in his likeness and being community with other men who are growing and furthering you and the cutting off of your sin, your wife seeing you as a man who is growing, who is growing, has seen growth in what you have stopped doing and the things that you are picking up and more like Christ. How you have, what Paul says, put off the old man and put on the new. There needs to be growth in that. So as we respond with this, men, this cannot happen from our own strength. You're strong. You are strong. You're not that strong. We are not this strong. And so we, are, we need to be filled with God's Spirit to lead ours, to show us and grow us in His likeness and His design for man. And so we go to God. We go to God. And for some, it needs to come in the form of being reborn our entire lives. This is not something that comes from just a little bit of cutting off some behaviors. This is an entire um, all-encompassing rebirth of ourselves by God, from God, in His image. Women, let me um, let you know how you can help us. There's a little boy inside of every man that you love. 
So out of every man that you love, there's a little boy. And when he comes out, when he comes out, he does not get to take over. And it does not to be, you're act, it, it does not need to be, you're going to act like a boy, I'm going to treat you like a boy. We don't need that. We do not need that. He does not get control. He does not get authority. He does not get to take over. When that little boy shows himself, we don't need to be disrespected or put down. We don't need guilt or shame. What I need, what we need is to be reminded. We need to be reminded of who God says he is and who God says I am. Women, you have a beautiful opportunity when we fail, because we're going to, when we fail, with composure and compassion to remind us of who God is. Let's pray together. God, I thank you um, for this church. I thank you for the men that you are growing. I thank you for your good design of men, of us, how you show us more of yourself, how you have created us in, in your likeness and in your image. God, I pray that every man in this room and that would listen to this would crave more of you, more of you, and that we would have such a clear definition of who you say we are, and we would live out of that, God. I pray that children would grow up in this church seeing men who are following after Christ, who are confident in their design, of your design for us, that they would see that, that, that girls would be raised up and that they would not be looking for boys to lead them because they have seen men who have loved and who have ran after Christ and they know what a man looks like. That the women in this church would be served and led well by true men of God. This church would grow, would grow from the love that these men carry for you and for one another. A brotherhood would be formed to where we see that we're not afraid to call others up into that, God. Would you lead us, God? We need it. Oh, we desperately need it. Would we hear from you and you alone? In your name, amen. To learn more about the District Church and for ways to give to further resources like this, visit thedistrictchurch.com.